So do you think like lucid dreaming is is actually a thing? Do you yeah, think it exists? Um, I, yeah. I can say I used to. I used to lucid dream like I used to be able to control my dreams. Uh-huh. For for quite some amount of time and then I joined art school and this day sleep is you know as precious as it gets and I don't want to do any activities so I just fall on the bed for 5 to 6 hours at best at best and then move on with life yeah so I don't get too much time to enjoy sleep like I used to <laughs> all right man actually we're already on as I pressing record so <laughs> let me just introduce the episode oh good it's all good it's all good <laughs> All right, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 9 of On My Ones podcast. My name is Alvin Thuo and as you know, I shall be the host of this show. Um today I am joined by I don't even know how to describe you, bro, cuz I feel like this guy has a way with words. This guy just knows how to caress those words so that a vivid picture just paints it in your mind. So <laughs> let me not even keep you waiting. Let me just go ahead and introduce my guest but he'll, you know, he'll add more things or correct me if I'm wrong. So today I'm joined with Franyo aka Francis Muthumbi aka Frankie Muthumbi, the writer, the poet. Um nimekosa <laughs> vitu. you uh applause track oh bro nah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway you can you can you can add to that you can add to that you can add to that feel free <laughs> yeah okay so uh hello humans i am frankie mugumbi uh as you heard i am a writer and amongst many other things what i can say is you know like I listened to the last two podcasts that I haven't listened to so that I could get myself into the headspace of introducing myself but I can't. But anyways, yeah, so I will leave up to one of my blog posts and say that I am an ambivert middle child who tends to think deeply sometimes. That is how I would describe myself. You said you're an ambivert middle child. Yes. So, you know one thing people keep telling me is that the middle kid is always forgotten. Is that true or false? Quite true, quite true. Uh-huh. I, I would say it is more true the bigger the family is. How how yeah. big is your family? Seven kids. Seven. Yeah. Oh, bro. What? <laughs> um it's a, it's a typical um catholic family okay I, there was there was a joke once made by an irish person i knew who said that i would fit in in ireland like me and my family because we are catholics and we're a big family mm-hmm. and that seems to be a very common thing like out there so it is like uh, to me it's been normal most people would react like it's a big thing but for me it's what I've grown up with so much so that I don't feel like we're many uh-huh we aren't many we're very few in this house damn bro actually you know i'm going to get into your family situation in a few 
<laughs> but but first first and foremost because you because i know like this week was quite hectic for you and i know like when i when i dm'd you so that like we can plan this out you told me like you know man this week i'm so busy i'm such a busy guy <laughs> <laughs> so, so how's your week how's your week tell, tell me about my, you yeah, my week has been i could even start from last week last week coming into this week has just been a pile of of work on top mm-hmm. of each other saturday i had a deadline sunday i had a deadline monday i had a deadline and then on top of that i have studio which is like a constant nagging at the back of your head mm-hmm. um and then i had a few classes at 8 a.m which is also another hectic thing especially since they're online and then Yesterday, I had two deadlines, although one was pushed, luckily, thank God. Um, and then today, today morning, actually, which is Friday morning, I had a class, which I had to present something for. Mm-hmm. So I had two presentations and a bunch of other deadlines to meet. So it was just like working throughout. Yo, you know, the crazy thing about architecture is I know that the 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 professors or the lecturers kind of do it off a basis of i think subjectivity it's like if they don't like it they don't like it but you could have put like all your you know design thinking brain on to that piece of paper and they still don't like it but how how do you do it though like explain to me i don't know mine <laughs> it's a <laughs> Let me tell you, that's, prob- that's probably one of the most stressful things in mm-hmm. architecture because it's based on creativity. If it was just a straightforward thing where you were copying, it would be okay. But then I would say if the lecturers don't like your design, they probably don't like it because it's not as flamboyant as it should be or it is not working and if it's not working that means you'll have to go back to the drawing table so there's something known as a design process which starts with a concept from the concept you move to a schematic design and then now you have the final work that you that you're going to pin up so the floor plans and all that stuff a lot of technical terminologies but if you get to the schematic design and nothing is working there's a high likelihood that the lecturer might tell you scrap everything you have start from point one like your concept was messed up so you need to start again <laughs> and work through it and come up with a better design bro you know as you tell me this i feel like i'm i'm already crying because I, I feel i can i can feel <laughs> the pain i feel those premium tears coming through jeez because you know i i don't think these these like professors realize that like we all work hard like, especially when they give that deadline, like, we're mad grinding. So, man, I wish you all the best with uh, the next deadline. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure uh, the listeners who, you know, do architecture or, like, any any course that's demanding will, will feel, you, <laughs> feel you right now. Um, yeah. Bro, my, my week, uh, this week's been quite quite a grind for me as well um i think towards the middle of the week wednesday i had two finals uh one was like a lab exam and the other one was just like 
a deadline I needed to meet. Um, but luckily, I feel good. I feel good right now. I can see like finish line, it's finals time. So I'm just I'm just trying to, you know, just get through them. But you know, as always, have to record. I have to record something for my listeners, for people who always tune in. You know, I told yeah, I told them yeah. it's it's been a while. It's been a while, but I'm back and I really, really, really wanted to push for season 10 to be recorded back home, which is the next episode. <laughs> So that one's a very special one for me because it's a final one. Um, and I don't know, man, it's just, it holds sentimental value just being in Kenya. You know, the thing people don't realize, as much as you want to escape Kenya, there's nowhere like home, bro. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I feel like the first time you leave Kenya, you'll be excited, you'll be hyped. But then they're just like, little things and you know people always say it's a little things account that just show you like my this this place though it's not what people think it is especially you know when the uh what do you call them when the racial discrimination things start going on in the country bro it's a wild place because you know you i i don't know like weirdly enough i've never felt more black <laughs> than being in america <laughs> <laughs> I think For it's because it's, 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 it's almost like a new concept because in Africa it's, it's the last thing that people think of they probably think of your tribe first before they think of your race because mm-hmm. you're all technically the same color mm-hmm. with the exception of a few um, light skins going on Caucasian <laughs> but yeah I get you that's, that's, it must be quite something I've, I've actually thought about how I would react to extreme racial like discrimination mm-hmm. and I can't put it to words ironically <laughs> all right sorry guys for technical difficulties once again you know there's um some companies here for wi-fi <laughs> we shall not mention names they're not stating names <laughs> in case one day they decide to sponsor me <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, 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 um, yeah, so I, I I don't know if I finished like the racial discrimination uh, story, but anyway, I feel like we can just like begin <laughs> with the, the thing I wanted to ask you first and foremost, because you talked about your family is like, I like, I like knowing about my guests' uh, childhood experience. And obviously, like, we all had different childhood experiences. So I wanted to know what, what was your childhood like growing up? You, if you can paint a picture for me, that would be fantastic. If I could give it um, five bold strokes, I would say responsibility of the first, but maybe like the last. Okay. Child. Yeah. So... My childhood was, <laughs> according to my mom, very erotic. Um, this calm demeanor that you observe or that you interact with or you've interacted with for the past, God knows how long, uh, seven years, seven years. But um, yeah, this calm demeanor was not always the case. I tended to be quite a, a bit of a naughty child. I think mm-hmm. it ended towards class five. Funny thing is, class class five is probably like my peak naughty, and then after that, 
things changed and <laughs> I became who I was supposed to be, or rather who I was. I feel like it was just like acting out, because you know, okay. being a little child, hitting puberty, and you just want, you just want that attention, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I attributed to. So that was that was that was pretty much my childhood summed up. So how Unless did you, you went <laughs> how did you relate to to your older sibling? <clears throat> oh, interesting question. I don't know. Uh, it's it's always been. I was the youngest from my older siblings, but at the same time. I wasn't treated like the youngest. At least yeah. after prim- at least after primary when they saw some form of responsibility and age, it was like you you can be treated as like one of our stake responsibilities, you know, go pay the bills and whatnot kind of responsibilities. So it was it wasn't I can't say that it was too different from how they treat me now. There's a bit of bullying, of course, especially since from the guy's side, because you know it's it's like a bonding experience between brothers to bully each other. But otherwise, it's just there, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So I'm assuming growing up, you grew up in Nairobi as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, town born and raised child. Uh-huh. Yeah. So would you say like the term custard boy would appropriately refer to you? <laughs> um yes, yes, actually. <clears throat> a lot like Jerome, actually. Yeah. Uh-huh. I would say that. Although a bit a bit hardened by life by the fact that my secondary schooling was not the same as my primary schooling. So I got hit hit by culture shock a lot earlier than he did, I would say, uh-huh. um, in the sense that hey, I, I I went to a totally different school, totally different people and whatnot joining high school. So that was a bit on the wake up side. And then interacting with people from boarding school as well, because people came in from boarding school primaries, different primaries across the country. And, yeah. and then you join uni, in public uni, you're in, and you know, the first year that you're in, you're seeing tear gas for the first time, you're seeing <laughs> <laughs> students rioting, and it's like, okay, uh, now we're in the real world. <laughs> uh-huh. So yeah, I, I, don't know, I don't know if I would say, to some extent, yeah, I, w- I would kind of say that, although not too much, yeah. Actually, it's it's so funny how you've mentioned the Tiaga story because I want to give like a huge shout out to Masika and Stevo <laughs> for that episode with Clinton. Um, y'all can catch it. That was um, I think episode four or three of the Medi- Meditate and Medicate podcast. Medicate, yeah. So yeah, guys, check that one out. It was really funny. Um, but you know, you and has always been a wild, a wild uni. Like, yeah. I'm telling you, that day for the tear gas, I was mad confused. I didn't know where I was safe. Like, should I stay mm-hmm. in the main campus? Should I, you know, cross the road, go to like the the the, the, the not Chiromo sides or ADB sides? 
and then on the I think uh was is that Uhuru Highway? Yeah, I think it was Uhuru empty. Highway. There were no cars. Yeah. All you can hear is just like you know you just see the cops with the armor and everything. You're like shit. <laughs> so, bro. Then you just in a first year, you just come from high school. You don't know how to deal with these things. Then you get home, and your parents are just like, "Yeah, this is this is what happened. Like, <laughs> it's normal. Man, it's life." He, honestly, I I, th- yeah. I think I think my when I say my culture shock was also you and maybe it was I don't know. I think I think I really think it was because that's when like I start I knew a new life. In fact, before then. I couldn't, I, I never used to use like Matatu or I'll be honest, before I got, no, actually I did. I started using jobs after high school. <laughs> A funny story. My dad, actually my dad made sure that like he personally took me to Afia Center, showed mm-hmm. me where Afia Center was, told me this is where you'll mm-hmm. be coming to get the, the, the Matatus to go to Madaraka. So we took a job from Afia Center, mm-hmm. we went to Strath, circled around the loop, and mm-hmm. then came back to town, walked. And I think that's how my first experience of using Matatus was. It was through my dad, and God bless the man for showing that's me. That's a nice experience. <laughs> that's such a nice experience. I know, no, not, not many were, parents were, would do that. Thrown, thrown into the swimming pool, <laughs> thrown into the deep end with, with the uh-huh. whole experience. It was like, yeah, okay, so, so we are going to town together. I have something I need to do you do what you need to do and then get back home you know where the bus stop is and then we split me. but you see at least you know where it is i didn't know where it was you had, every time, I had to you had to go of course i didn't know exactly where it was uh-huh no uh, <laughs> by that time i didn't have a phone <laughs> okay. so walking in town i'm walking in town bareback really walking with 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 the with the landmarks so it's like, okay, around Nishan Center, yeah, that's where my avenue is. So I'm looking, I'm looking. When I see Nishan Center, I just walk towards that direction, not really caring about what else is around me in that sense. Uh-huh. So it was like once or twice of that, and then I got comfortable walking around town. What's, what's your funniest experience in town? Has anything funniest. bizarre ever happened to you in town? The most bizarre thing that ever happened to me is probably, was it last year? Was it last year? Last year around January, mm-hmm. um, right when guys were still up country and Nairobi was basically empty. And my phone was having issues, so I had to take it to the shop to get fixed. And coming back, I decided to pass through school to sort out, you know, a few issues. Um, so, I passed by archives, which was my first mistake. <laughs> um, and these guys, these two guys decided to to like mark me and they're like, this one, this one is the one we're going to steal from today. So we end up walking from archives down my avenue to the safari com shop across from Stanford. So that was, that's like, I would say about a three to five minute walk of them walking beside me. And meanwhile, while they're walking beside me, it's like they're trying to coerce me without getting physical, but then also trying to act tough because I think for them, it, was, it wasn't really their first time um, yeah. finding and attacking someone in that sense. But then at the same time, I think it was, it was also their first time where 
somebody detested like what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Because at the time, I had actually been given a phone by my friend, like a like a phone just to hold me down until I got my phone fixed. Mm-hmm. That phone was more expensive than the phone that was being fixed. So I was oh, like, if I'm losing God. this, if I'm losing this phone today, I'm losing my life as well. <laughs> that was that was my mentality. So walking down that road with those two was like was like tension between myself and them in that. It was like a push and pull of are we doing this like are we really really doing this like is there going to be a fist fight bearing in mind that town was basically empty so i had i did two stops the first stop was at a, a random building along my avenue where i saw two security guards with um with, with camouflage so i was like hey this is where i'm going to be let me just chill here for a few seconds talk to them explain to them the issue hopefully they'll work they'll work with me until like the stop but they didn't. They were like, "You anymore know me?" <laughs> they were like, "Yes, you're oh. you're a man. You're a man. So work with it." So I'm like, by this time, when I'm talking to them, the two gentlemen have decided to walk ahead and act as if like they I wasn't part of their group. They weren't with me. So I look around the corner. They don't seem to be there. So I'm like, you know what? Uh, he's right, I'm a man, I should brave this out. <laughs> oh, why is he? So I start walking again by myself. Oh. Yeah, by myself. This guy's pop out of, an, out of an alleyway, which I didn't expect. So I'm like, oh, crap. So I cross the street. <laughs> I'm like, yo, it's it's January. Hakuna pesa. Like, literally, I don't... I'm, the money that you're asking for is the same money that I'm going to use to get home. If I give you that money, I'm not getting home. So how are we helping each other? But then I, I didn't. I don't think they saw the fact that I, I had two phones like in my pockets because I wasn't wearing extremely tight pants. Okay. So inevitably, inevitably they were getting to the point of like violence where they were holding me by my shirt as I was walking down the street. But then you were trying to act all casual as if nothing was happening. So I got to to Stanford and I was like, yo, I can't deal with this anymore. I was just like, you know what? I entered the safari cop shop and I sat there for like 30 minutes. Did, did, did <laughs> they like, wait? Hey, nope, they, they, they got tired after a while. <laughs> yeah, and, wow. and, and, and they left, yeah. So I used the back entrance to the safari cop shop because it had Amway Avenue um, entrance and then Kimati Street, which is the the other side. So I yes. used that Kimati Street entrance and I just <laughs> walked really quickly to main campus without looking behind or looking to the sides. But that was probably the, the most interesting experience I've had in town. I can't think of of any other in terms of like <laughs> feeling of being interesting. Probably the closest to that was was on the other side of um of the spectrum. Uh-huh. Where we went to, do you know Monda's, Monda's pub? Mm, I don't want to lie, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> okay, it's it's like a, it's it's like this this like nice, in the in the corner kind of bar, where they okay. serve like proper cocktails. It's not like the watered down cocktails you get at a restaurant where you have you have the offer for two for one, but those two don't even take you anywhere. These ones, you buy one and you're good, like you're <laughs> you're solid for the night. So we had just come from a preliminary poetry slam thing for my brother. Yep. And we went out celebrating, of course. 
So this was the first time I was ever drinking in town. The closest I got to drinking in town was um, classified. Ah, <laughs> uh, come on, tell us. It's cool. It's cool. You know, you're but, helping uh, people. You're helping. You're you're, you're plugging right plugging these joints, uh-huh. boss. It's like you know when when times get rough, we 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 can visit those locals. Yeah. yeah. It's actually not too far from school, to be very honest. But yeah, oh. so anyway, long story, long story short, um, we we hit a couple of them. Like um, we were with my brother's best friend, who is working at the time, so he had some money. So it's just like you know what, I'll spoil you. It's a good night. So I had two two Long Islands, knowing that Long Island is probably the strongest cocktail. I think it's like a mixture of different drinks in it. Yes. Hey, tell me why. We decided to take a matatu home. We didn't. <laughs> we didn't take an Uber home. Usually, me when I'm drinking, my first thought is me take an Uber home. But we couldn't because we were a group. So there were how many? I'm trying to remember how many females. There were about two or three females with us, and we were three guys. So we were like, eh, this one. We can't just leave them be. We can't just leave them to take an Uber and go home because. They lived. They lived quite far. They lived like Siokimau sides of of town. So you're like, yeah. they walk you to BS, and then they walk back to a stage. Hey, <laughs> tell me, like the ground was just shaking. Like you're walking, and the ground is slowly shaking. But in your mind, you're like, I'm I'm sober enough. Like I'm I'm sober enough. But the ground is just. It's moving with you, so that was probably one of the most interesting. <laughs> you got home safe, though. like okay, that's, that's like, nice. But I'm, <laughs> I'm proud of you guys. Got home safe, yeah. But it was. <laughs> you showed that chivalry isn't dead. Uh, that was nice, fantastic. Yeah. How mm. much into us, really? <laughs> but for me, <laughs> I don't think I've had any like weird experiences in town but i know some people who get lost in mm-hmm. town <laughs> quite often mm. um but bro uh actually i feel like i should actually get into what you actually do right now which is the writing and mm-hmm. i want to know like how do you get into writing because me i'll be honest with you bro when i think about writing my mind takes me back to compositions and inches and me personally i like compositions uh-huh. and inches i was those type type of people who would write the same story but in a different version whether they are thieves mm-hmm. or i got lost <laughs> or you know waking up and getting into the frogs mm-hmm. kingdom that was me that was mm-hmm. me so mm-hmm. i don't have i don't have a way with words like you but so how <laughs> how did you get started what's your earliest memory of like you knowing that you're a good writer Funny thing is, it was an AC. Okay. In, school, uh-huh. in high school, English paper three. Um, I think it was mocks, was it? I think it was. It was one of the the exams before long holidays. Was it like April or mocks? Uh, form four. Well, I thought I had failed. Like what I had written was just, like it was just writing. Come to find that. I was actually top in English paper three uh, wow. in that particular That's exam. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not to say about anything else, <laughs> but yeah, in that particular exam, I was <laughs> I was top in paper three, and my the, the English teacher 
shout out to me Somido, who was actually my mentor yeah. i was like yo uh have you thought about like properly like writing stuff and then i told her no and the conversation ended there like there was no more conversation about it and then in comes in press giving day of form form she calls me to the staff room and she's like, okay, so I have a, a deal for you. Eh? You're going, since um, there are very few people who are going to be performing from Form 4, I want you to do something you've never done, which is public speaking. <laughs> never done it in my life, never knew how to do it. So she gave me the options of public speaking or a poet uh, or a poem. And I was like, hey, now nah, poems like you, the I can't be seen doing shairis like <laughs> like the kids on TV for for Uru. So I was just like, you know what? Let's do the public speaking thing. Um, it was my me and a mate of mine who now studies in Australia, um, and we did a, the whole public speaking thing. We had to write down a, a sort of script of some sort, which I did with his help. So he kind of co-wrote it, and we gave it for approval. And the public speaking thing was about, um, what was it about? Equality, equality or equity. Okay. Which was something, I'm not a very, I'm not a controversial person. I am not a social justice warrior. So for me, that was like out of my element. And then moving on from there, I was like, okay, so this writing thing seems kind of cool. Leaving high school, I, I hadn't really sat down and saved any of my poetry because before i would write poetry but i wouldn't say that was my start it was more of like you know deep um punk rock kind of thoughts you know like the xfm kind of <laughs> music kind of so thoughts yeah you, so it was just like write that down. <laughs> yeah actually there are quite quite a number of parallels between the two of us uh -huh. um so yeah i would i would write down those thoughts you know because it seemed kind of cool. I also had like a lot of people, a lyric book in the sense that I didn't write down all the lyrics to songs. I would just write down lyrics that were like really, really cool at the time. You know, it was like- um, Like what? Give, give, give us examples. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, this is this old song. Um, I think it was by Young Money, yeah? I like the way she walks, but when when she walks in my way or something along is the way. Is that bedrock? Can't remember the lyric. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was just random stuff like that. That book got lost possibly like a month after I started writing those uh -huh. random quotes in it. Um, so I kind of closed that writing chapter for a while. After from four, now getting to the actual writing bit. Uh, I joined. <laughs> as a result word. yeah it is it's, it's like we, we it's, a, it's a photocopy of um of each other because we both mm. like touch, we, we were both in Quavo. but anyways my story is a bit different in that i didn't join because of singing i joined because we watched Rira. i think you were there on that day that we watched we watched Rira both at the same time for the first time it was a saturday 7 p.m show yes That's the one that we watched and I was like interested. I was like, hey, what's this play thing that people have been doing? Like it, it looks cool. So I, I talked to Jerome and he's like, yeah, this, this and this are the directors. And I'm like, yo, I know all the directors. Basically, I know everyone in Quavo. So I hollered at them and they were like, yeah, yeah, come through for an audition. Um, and this was now in June. 
like I talked to him in June, because I needed an escape. Yes. For me, Kweba was like an escape in that. Hey, you. And it's a victim of hard times. Hard times. <laughs> For you too. <laughs> very, hey, you very, know, very, hey, hard. It's so funny how everyone just says that 2017 was just like their year. Like, it's either mm. it was really good or we mm. all just had like wild times. So, Shout out to 2017, <laughs> character development <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh, so it was around yeah. June, okay. So it was around it was around June. I I joined under the, the apprenticeship of Jerome because he was the one who he came home. He actually came to my place before the audition. The audition was supposed to be it wasn't like a a conventional audition where I would go into a room and the directors would be sitting there like what can you do for us? It was more of like, oh yeah, we I know you, you can you can sing, you can dance. Yeah. I I wasn't too sure about the acting at that point. So I like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We have a flash mob to promote the last shows of Rira. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, I can do it. So I had to learn the dance in one afternoon because Jerome was in strap at the time, and the only time he was free was that Friday afternoon. So I had to learn the entire dance routine for flash mob happening on Saturday and Saturday morning in that one afternoon, which I did. I went to the flash mob and uh, I was cordially welcomed into Cueva in that manner. So mm-hmm. now the after that we had an Africa Dusk show. I believe, yeah, an Africa Dusk show where we were submitting like poems and 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 singers and whatnot and i was like yeah, yeah, yeah i used to write and whatnot and then one of the directors was like hey then he showed me his poems then i was like i've never written anything like that because they were in kiswahili and for me kiswahili and and i we were distant lovers <laughs> unrequited love really <laughs> from my side because i love the language it doesn't love me back yeah so i was like yeah hey, this sounds interesting so i wrote my first performance piece it's mm. called peace within um and that's that's basically the whole the whole starting it wasn't like a, a lighting or match it was okay. more of like a gradual build up of, of, of heat to mm-hmm. know where i am right now yeah. mm-hmm. i hope that answers the question i have talked a lot <laughs> no 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 so so you can liken it to like yeah. you know how you have like a jiko and you're you want it to become hot so you're just like finding it slowly by slowly so that yeah, was how yeah, you yeah. you came into writing um but you know i've i've seen like a couple of uh how can what can i call them like quotes that essentially no one starts just like being a brilliant writer you you always have to like keep practicing keep writing mm-hmm. and not writing in the sense of let's say today is friday so friday or oh, i meant to write for one hour it's not about meeting the time goal but rather about mm-hmm. like actually pouring your heart out or your soul on that paper and mm-hmm. just like making sure at least like your ideas are more coherent the more you keep writing right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. You know, that's a sense I get when I read, for example, When It Rained, which is one of my favorite stories, to be honest. (laughs) And goodness, (laughs) (laughs) 
First of all, very much, very much gratitude. Um, it's very appreciated. <laughs> I'm yeah. glad you you enjoyed it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. let me just ask you something, <laughs> and it's by no means uh, very like I'm not pointing fingers at you, but the question is, by any chance, were you the character in that story? Were you were you fighting someone? That's a very great question. Now, the thing is, uh, I am not a fighter. I am capable, but I am not a fighter. Um, you, are you a lover? <laughs> so no, I am not. <laughs> I'm, somewhere, I'm somewhere in between. I'm, I'm a lover that can fight. If, if my, 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 the person who I love needs me to fight, I shall fight. But I am Fantastic. not <laughs> ordinarily a fighter. But yeah, so it's not. It is purely fiction. So what inspired the story? Like, what, what, what were you thinking? Or why did you write that particular story? Um, why did I write that story? So, you know, that, that, that's the thing. At, at this point, I, I write so much, sometimes I forget why I write things. When it rained was written as a result of like a, 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 an augmentation of things. Yes. Like where it was like a mixture of the pod of a couple of podcasts that I've been listening to, like shout out to Adele Onyango with her legally clueless podcast. Um her then a couple of stories and then memories of things that people have told me because I guess I'm trustworthy in the sense that they would they would come with, with like what's going on with their life. And it was just like how do I write this story? But in the sense that a 13 year old me would read this and would feel inspired because that was that was also something i was i was battling with because a lot of people tend to write the stories in in their true raw nature and the themes are just glaring at you and you're like yeah, yeah this this story hits home but it doesn't hit you home because of experience it hits you home because of empathy or sympathy for what the our female counterparts are going through um but it was a story that i felt i would have loved to read like in the sense that i wouldn't have to push aside the thoughts that i had you know the thoughts that when someone is is approaching a female friend of yours in a in a bit of a gross manner yes but you're you're kind of doubting it's like i'm not like, I don't want to like be up in arms. Maybe that's just how they talk. Maybe that's how they flirt. Maybe that's how they interact with each other. So I don't know whether I should, you know, go in all guns blazing and you know interrupt, or if I should just, you know, leave it be because that's how they interact. So that was like my train of thought going into it to right from the male's perspective. In interesting in the sense that it was written not to have a friend because a lot of times when you hear old rape stories hey although this is this is getting real when you hear rape stories um and guys not taking into account what is going on our ladies will tend to be like what if it was your brother or your sister or your mother or whoever within your circle but i took it in the sense that what if it's just an innate feeling because growing up as a guy, I was raised as a protector. So inevitably, 
I will protect even even though it goes against my logic. It's like, yeah, she's, we, we were arguing at the club about something stupid and I don't feel like talking to her, but if someone is to approach her weirdly, I'll get in the way. Even though I won't fight, I'll get in the way in some way, shape or form. So that was that was my thinking, getting into it. If I, if I continue talking, we'll, we'll have a three hour podcast and you'll have to speak into <laughs> parts. <laughs> Yo, but so, funny funny thing is do you think when when men in general uh for example you've painted a scenario where you're you're in the club you've had an argument with your missus and let's say some other guy is moving towards her do you think men just step in because it's a pride thing or would you trust your girl enough to know that she can handle that situation herself um to me, it's a, it's a cross between the two, where instinctively you would move there. That's where I think men have have a bit more of a of a jealous flair. Even though we can try and act all cool and you know with, with pride, we're like, you know, like, like if she if she's taken, there are like ten million other girls out there, and I can get cool. with them. But no, it's, it's uh, that's, that's why we. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but unfortunately, not everyone knows how to fish. But um, we we are we are, we get jealous because we are protective, in, in internally. Rather, this these are my beliefs, these are my opinions, that we are protective. So we'll we'll get in between them, even though we trust her. Like, if if she's your girl, why not trust her? You know, maybe okay, maybe she has a checkered past, so you'd be a bit iffy on the on the trusting bit, but inevitably we'd move in because we want to protect, not because of pride. Okay, although technically we'd be protecting our pride, you know. So mm-hmm. we, we don't see on the timeline our names being dragged that oh he was sliced, oh like his girl was stolen, oh whatever, whatever or not. It's just like a protection thing, I guess. To me, to me it's to a you, protection okay. thing. Yeah. Very fantastic. Um so I'm going to transition to the next segment, which is I normally ask my guest three, five questions, which are kind of short questions, needs no thinking. So are you ready? Will I ever be? <laughs> Go for it. Fantastic question to ask. <laughs> so I know you're really big on music. And my first question for you is, what's an album this year that you keep listening to or going back to? Out this year or? No, nah, could be any time. Could be last year, two years ago. Um, what's it called? Human Condition, John Belgian. Oh, he's a pianist yeah. and singer, right? He's a bit more than a pianist. I, I feel like he's one of the music producers we could actually call a music producer in the mainstream media. Okay. Yeah, so he's a music producer, yeah. All right. Second question for you is, What's your dream destination? Where would you like to go when you see yourself? Hmm. Funny thing is, I don't know. I don't travel a lot. Traveling has never been my forte, but uh, I would say still Kenya, somewhere in Kenya, because Kenya is really big and there are many beautiful places that we haven't um, ventured into. But if I was to pick somewhere outside Kenya, I would probably say 
Tokyo for the sake of culture, not to stay there, but yeah, for the sake of culture. Are you a big anime fan? Because you mentioned Tokyo, <laughs> and my mind just goes to anime. Uh, I I used to be a very big one. Now I am just uh, mild. I would say I'm mild. I, okay. I appreciate it for the art that it is, but being in architecture kind of opens up your mind, and you're like, yo, there's so much in Tokyo, or even even generally in Europe, there's there's a lot to look into. Uh huh. But Asia Asia takes the cup really in terms of cultural architecture. Yeah. And the final question is: What's the last movie, series, film, or documentary you watched? Uh, last series I watched uh, was The Boys. I don't think I finished it. <laughs> I think I have like two episodes left. The, voice. Yeah, the Boys. The Boys. Oh, The Boys. I thought it's The Voice, like the singing one. I was like, huh, <laughs> that's shocking. <laughs> no, but there's yeah, nothing shocking about it. It's, I don't, it's, I don't okay. get the show, so I can't really watch. I can't really watch too much of it. I usually I, just watch the, the the random standout performances. You know, the one that people share on YouTube. And you're like, yo, this person actually sound like really well, and all the judges turned around. Which I, I don't get the concept behind the show. I wish I did. If I did, maybe I'd be a bit more interested. But no, no. <laughs> let me tell you something. One day, y'all will find me on TPF. <laughs> I don't Let's know how. Even go on. <laughs> I'll go for the auditions. I, I'm telling you, one day, mm-hmm. and I've said it. Today is 11th December 2020. So, mm-hmm. guys, in the next uh, 10 years, <laughs> expect me those auditions. <laughs> I'll be like that guy. Don't provoke. Don't provoke anger. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be very interested to see that to at least go okay. Although TPF is not too out of the familiar league for me though, but to see someone audition for TPF would be nice. Someone who mm. I know and be like, hey yo, like that's my guy. <laughs> that would be very interesting. So please, please do, please feel very free. I bro and so... encouraged. <laughs> you know, it's fantastic we with you shared the male perspective of different situations and it's a fantastic segue to the to the next thing that i'd like to talk about which is the theme of self-love as a as a man because i know you wrote another story to do with i think the title was steps to self-love yeah steps to self-love so for you like from your opinion or your perspective what does self-love mean to you as a as a man? Because you know it's always like people talk about it in a very feminine manner. And now Jerome yesterday introduced me to masculine beauty and feminine beauty. And now yeah, yeah, yeah. I place a question to you. What does self-love mean to you as a man? As a man. Um, okay, as I wrote it in the blog, is one perspective I've learned to take it in, which is self-improvement. Because in as much as okay, this might be a bit controversial, but in as much as we look at to to like the a bit healthier or bigger um, populace that we have, and we're like, yeah, 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 love your body, love yourself, and all that. Sometimes that isn't the best way to look at it, in the sense that yeah, love yourself, 
I am all for loving yourself, you need to be able to holistically hold yourself to high value, but at the same time, um, improve yourself. Don't be like, I love myself, I love my body the way it is, but you're not healthy, like mentally, physically, spiritually, all that stuff, you're not healthy. It doesn't make any sense for you to say that you love yourself. And there's that, the, the phrase that goes around, I'm not too sure of the source about like, if you like a flower, you pluck it, but if you love it, you would water it and whatnot. So I take it in that sense that you need to water yourself. Like if it means taking a walk outside, take that walk outside. If it's going to help your body, do it. Because sometimes we, we glorify um, overweight people or obese people who are kind of nearing unhealthy proportions. And it's, it's nice, yes, to gas people up. I, I am a very, <laughs> I'm a connoisseur of gassing people up, but sometimes it's also like, come on, man, you, you can can be better in the sense that, is this really your best shape? Is this the, the best you can do for yourself? Not even for others, not, not really caring about, you know, Instagram likes and whatnot, seeing your picture, all over social media, you know, ripped with abs and looking like Chris Hemsworth <laughs> and all those godlike chiseled people. Um, but are you in the best shape for you? If we were to go hiking today, would you survive? So that that kind of that kind of questioning, in the sense of if you are to be attacked right now, will you be able to get away fast enough? Will you be able to protect the, the people that you love? Because inevitably it goes back to protection with the way I was raised. So it goes for overweight and for underweight people. I know that many of us struggle with it because I can see personally for me, I was a very skinny person. Like you met me seven years ago. I was not exactly the big guy, big rugby, tough guy, or even we can look at the smallest kind of player on the team, the winger who was like kind of lean and skinny, but he was also still muscular. I wasn't too much of that. Yes, I played basketball, but it it kind of deteriorated when I got to high school and I was probably the skinniest I've ever been. So learning how to love myself in the sense that I need to improve myself. I can't I can't be looked down upon by people who are attacking people that I love. You know, so yeah. I, I want you to at least feel somewhat threatened. Like if you step up to my girl and I step up to you, feel a little bit, even, even just just hesitate a little. Like that's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, that I know that I'm doing something. So it's that that to me is what self love is. That general the strive for improvement, whether it's reading, whether it's going to church if you still go to church, um, going to a gym or doing a hobby that keeps you healthy, dance, run. I mean, even doing the TikTok dances is quite something <laughs> because hey, TikTok dances can be, if you're unfit, especially during this COVID times, the way we've just uh, gained proper weight, um, you realize you can't do those TikTok dances anymore. Mm. And it's a bit scary. So it, besides looking good, you feel better. 
you know if you you'll be you'll be you'd look at yourself higher in the sense that you'd wake up in the morning looking and feeling good about yourself so it boosts your self confidence so that's, that that to me is what self love generally is at the end of the day but i would flip the question up and ask you <laughs> your perspective <laughs> because i have been myopic in my view yeah um no i feel like you hit the the nail on its head and for me i would mm-hmm. say self love i mean i'll just give you the definition <laughs> of the word which is caring for yourself because i feel like personally i'm very big on it and i feel like it hit me in post 2017 is when self love actually like hit me because i feel like as much mm-hmm. as i was spending time with my friends i did realize that you know there's some things i don't really want to carry into the next year like if i look at myself in a couple of years time do i still want to do the same thing and that's a was no so i feel like personally for me the steps i took was past to look at like who are my friends who are the real people i can say like if i talk to this guy we're actually building each other so that was the first thing i did cuz um i kind of relate to the to the statement that you are like the average of the five closest people around you and like obviously iron sharpens iron as well so in a similar sense i wanted to be surrounded with people who are good energy good vibes and then the second thing i did i i, I relate to you cuz in high school i was i was also skinny like i don't even know how i played rugby bro <laughs> <laughs> you and I were, the, were probably the same same physical build really yeah it beats me bro i i honestly <laughs> i don't know but i yeah i decided to like go on the fitness route took the fitness route um obviously starting out was very tough and i was so demotivated man cuz you're in the gym you're seeing people who are like shredded they look good you're like man when will i ever get there like this is not nice it's literally like this guy has my dream like physique and everything yeah but man like the the gap between us is so huge so i was demotivated mm. but ah bro like consistency always pays off and i think like i just stuck to it and i guess eventually just i like showing its results and stuff and number 3 the third step i took is i am a big advocate of taking time off to go think to go attend to yourself um i feel like i try and incorporate that like every night before i sleep i need to have like 10 minutes of quiet time just think about what you want in life how did your day go is there anything better i can do for tomorrow um and the fourth thing i would say self love is is and this i borrow from Jordan Peterson which is being kind to yourself and treating yourself as if you're someone that you'd care for because you know when you're caring for someone else you go you're going to make sure like that person you know is good you go you're going to go see them if they're like sick and you're meant to take care of them you're going to make sure they like take their medication but now he flips it around and asks if you get sick or like if things are going on in your life most chances are people don't take care of themselves the same way they do for others 
So I think like the biggest thing is just like be kind to yourself. Like you know, mm-hmm. Saudi soul say, "Raha usijinime." If you want that thing, go do that <laughs> thing. I, like legit, dude. Your, I, your very best life. I love that album. I think Midnight Train was such a fantastic mm-hmm. album. I don't know what you, what you're thinking, what what your thoughts are about it. Yeah, I I am on the same page. I definitely love it. I have to say, I have listened to it. A number of times not unhealthy just a, a number of times <laughs> i usually i usually find myself going back to good music in the sense that i'd listen to the to an entire album but at the same time i've learned that mixing and matching kind of also helps you in the in the appreciation of the music so sometimes i click shuffle on my apple music and it's like i have like but like 2000 songs maybe downloaded and it's like i'll go from listening to like stormzy and to like hard grime and then you you come into like such so and you know sing about when i get sober i'll get my act together <laughs> and it's just like oh my god <laughs> what am i doing with my life but yeah i, I think i honestly think <laughs> i honestly think that that whole um i am sharpens i am thing is like really really great because as you were you were saying it i remembered what something i did in high school for myself that kind of fizzled out what i did was have a have my mates have my bros have my my the boys uh which is a group that has stayed consistent until now right like even right now it's surprisingly as tight as it was in high school if not more but um what i did was i had the idea to start working out so I went I went in looked at all the like YouTube videos I could find read all the articles on dieting and how to improve yourself um physically so that when I started this group um I'm trying to remember the name of the song uh I can't remember it yeah. um but there was a song by DJ Snake it became like a viral viral song in i think 2015 was in the youtube rewind um but i changed it oh yes i remember the name it's called turn down for what by dj snake so i took that title and flipped it over and i was like be fat for what because what had happened is that um a number of people within that circle one we weren't at our greatest physique and we would always pride ourselves on being the basketball players of you know part of the school where even the coach was like hey do you guys want to form a basketball team to play in like as consolata but that fell through <laughs> but anyway that's a story for another day um but yeah so we needed to get fit so i i took the liberty of looking up all those things and i would come up with like um a weekly exercise regime then i would share it with them i'd be like hey this this is what we're going to do uh it didn't last too long it lasted like about a, a, a month or a month to a town somewhere in the middle there i can't quite remember it was quite some time back um so that was it was like an interesting test of patience because now i look at the group and the um, i think i can say it the heaviest person in the group um came came to me and he was like this this body weight thing I, i can't keep being overweight it's not healthy for me and i want to feel and look good 
So I was like, hey, go work out, go diet, go diet. Um, come 2019, 2018, he starts losing weight. And yeah. then last year, he posted like the weight, the weight loss difference. So he posted one from a picture from, I think, was it 2017? And one from 2019. And we're just like, what the hell? Like, this nigga, like, <laughs> he lost so much. And then now he's just been gymming. Like now, if you look at his Snapchat, he's, he's just gymming constantly. So it's it's very motivational in the sense that something so small that we started, you know, we were making, being boys, we, we roasted him. Like we roasted him constantly. And he would come to me and he'd be like, hey, you get, you wrote 15 push-ups on that week. Like, I can't even do five. Let me just leave it at five. And I was like, hey, you, you do five, take a break do another five, take a break, do another five. But then inevitably it's grown into this this beautiful thing where he also motivated me to get back into like working out because I stopped working out. I tried in 2018, I failed. I did like a, like a week to a month and I was just like, I know this one is not for me. The schedule is not working out. And then I tried again in 2019, the same thing. I was like, hey, this schedule is not working out for me because now, I go to the gym, I'm curling weights, and then I can't pin up because <laughs> my arms are sore and I can't reach high enough to pin up my workout. Like, this, it's not working out. I'll just do it on a long holiday. And then quarantine hits like this. I'm like, hey, things are, are getting thick. Um, and then one day, as I was scrolling through my photos, I saw a, a picture that my best mate had taken of me for my birthday in 20, 2018. I'm just like you, like I am a stick, like I'm skinny as hell. I need to figure out how to do this. So I just started eating a lot. Like through quarantine, quarantine out, I started 8 a.m. I'd be awake by 7.30. So 8 a.m. breakfast, 11 a.m. breakfast again, <laughs> lunch, four o'clock tea, dinner. And then if I'm Stuck. still awake by 12, I'll eat something just to like get my body moving, which worked for the first month. Like I could tell that I was getting a bit well, fatter, bulkier, um, bigger, but then I lost it again. Like after that one month, my metabolism caught up and oh, everything disappeared. And I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I was like, you know what? Remember what you're doing this way, you need to get bigger. So I kept on eating. So the, the increments were, a lot smaller, but then getting to August there, I had been seeing JP. Now this is Adrian's Adrian's brother, Uh posting his his fitness stuff. And I'm like, wait, see, I was really passionate about this. So you can just, you know, try to slot it in, talk to him about it. So shout out to JP Fitness, send him your monies if you want to (laughs) get back into working out. So. I started working out like I I got one of the regimes that he had and I started working out using it. The first week was good. I was pumped. I was like, hey, having my my best mate as my accountability partner because him, he had been working out for a while. So you're like, hey, keep keep me accountable. Keep me accountable. First week was good. Second week was good. Third week, we struggled a bit. Like first day, which was a Tuesday, because it does full body workouts every other day. Yeah, so it was like that first day I went in, I did push-ups, didn't complete my sets, tried to do 
inverted rules didn't complete my sets and I was like, that's it. It seems like this is the end of the road for me. So I just packed up and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Went, went back into the house, took a shower and I was just like, I can't believe that this is ending here. But then the next workout day came around and I was like, hey, I need to get back onto it. So I got back onto it and I, I pushed through all the way to the end of the eight weeks. And they, we often say that you don't really see changes in yourself, but I was so shocked because they never tell you this, but when you start working out properly to get bigger, that is the day that you will never, ever, ever see yourself as bigger because you'll always see yourself as smaller. So <laughs> kind of like what you're saying about like going to the gym and seeing that guy with the booty that you want and looking at yourself and you're like, hey, yeah, I'm too small. Like, I need to get bigger. Not realizing that if you took a picture before, like I took a picture on just the day before I started the, the eight-week program, and then I took a picture on the last day, and then I scrolled down and saw the picture from before I was working out, and I was like, you like so much has Jeez. has changed. You don't, you don't go. I'm being I'm being called big man, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> hey you like big man. <laughs> this is from like the biggest guy in the gym. Hey, you guys. <laughs> so it was like it's like a it was it was a bit of of physical improvement, but also mental improvement because after the eight weeks, I was like, I was ready to get back into school. Like because before I was I was tired. The funny thing is myself and like a fifth year who is now in sixth year were joking in March about how we needed a break. We were like, we can't do this. We need like a break, but I don't want to take a gap year because my friends will all leave me behind. So we all need to take a gap year together. Then Corona hits. <laughs> Talk about timing. So yeah, it was, it's, it's just been like a, a crazy experience, like elevating experience. And I know I sound like those um, woke guys, but uh, it's 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 quite a quite a quite an experience that is it's self love at its best. You know when you when you actually feel self love, you feel feel like you're floating. Yeah. If yes. To give it, just give it a term. Yeah. And I also think that once you gain that self love is when you can begin to radiate it to others because that's another thing I've found out. Like, you can't love someone if you don't love yourself. Like, what are you going to give the other person? You can't give what you don't have. So I think I think this has been a brilliant conversation about self-love. And I'd also like it for, like, the listeners to let us know, like, what their experience with self-love has been you can obviously send send a voice note through anchor or you can also i mean feel free to blow up my dms <laughs> but <laughs> they've been looking dry for a couple of months oh <laughs> uh, not quite but <laughs> but yeah you can, you, you can you can let us you can let us know uh, your experience with mm -hmm. self-love and uh, where, where can people find your blog posts, man? Because I know there's Medium, but what else is there? That's actually the only thing that's there. Funny okay. thing is, um, I started Medium because I was pestered into it in the sense that guys would be like, hey, okay, so you have your Instagram, yeah? And you post your posts and they're really good. But then there are those performance pieces that you do. I went to those ones and I was like, oh, 
I, I don't have any way to put them. So over the months, the numbers kept increasing. So it started with one person, then it grew yes. to five people. And then just before I started the blog, it was 10 people. And I was like, you know what, let me, let me just do this thing. So I did it and I was like, I posted the first poem, which was swimming. And I was just like, okay, this seems kind of cool. Instead of just poems, I can do short stories as well because I need to improve on my on, my, on that writing. Then I can also do like blog posts. I'm like, okay, cool. And that is how we started. So medium.com forward slash at Frankie. That's Frankie with the K-H-I-E. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, put, I'll put it in the, in the episode's description. Yeah, bro. Mm-hmm. I guess we've come to, to the end. I'm about to wrap it up. Um, and <laughs> the last question I'm going to ask you is a similar one I asked Jerome, which is, what would you want other people to either read if it's a book, or music, an album to listen to, or if it's a film to be watched that you've seen or you've heard of or you've read. Book really. Um, I don't know about books because I haven't, I haven't admittedly been very up to date with my reading, <laughs> which is not a good thing to say as a writer. But um, movies, I, I can do movies. Okay. Uh, I would say to the bone. It's like an old movie about like anorexia. So to the bone is is like a very interesting movie in that it teaches you a lot. Oh, also before before I fall, which is a movie on Netflix for those who don't know how to <clears throat> pirate things, um, <laughs> you can watch before I fall. <laughs> you can watch before I fall on on Netflix, which is also a very great movie about introspection and repeating okay. cycles. Yeah. <laughs> that was very subtle with the roast, man. <laughs> how, do you, how do you just throw us under the bus like that? You know, you know it's, it's, sometimes it's it's a nice view under the bus. You know, you get to see the, the oh, wheel wow. turn. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so, but guys. Some things never change. Right? <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Nah, not not nice, not not nice, bro. But guys, we've, we've come to the end. Cut you off, Kade. <laughs> yeah. So, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. As always, um, Franjo, thank you very much for your time. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And guys, if you have any feedback, please don't hesitate to let me know any ways I can improve. And yeah this has been it for me the next time you're gonna listen to me your boy is gonna be back in the 254 hopefully recording the season finale and yeah i guess i'll see you guys next time so goodbye and this has been it for me (laughs) thank you so much